If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or are new to the faith, we invite you to join our discussion as we dive into theology, objections to the faith, common questions, and hot topics in an effort to better know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. Hello, everyone. My name is Barrett Jackson. Welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. We are short-staffed today by one, but we still have three, so you're in luck. Uh, my co-host, Jared Jernigan. Yo. And Sam Draper. Good morning, Putnam County. And the... And beyond. And, well, yes, we are international. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, have, we, have we ever shouted out to our Australian listener? We did, and then they stopped listening. Okay, well, in hopes I, that, I think it was the Australian accents we were throwing out. Uh, there. So. I thought he came, he or she came back. I, I don't know. They, but yeah, our analytics show us international, not, not just Australia, but multiple countries. So maybe it's their VPN bouncing around, <laughs> <laughs> trying to avoid the NSA. But whoever you are, wherever you are, we appreciate you, and. Uh, or if you're, or if you're just setting up your VPN to do that, we appreciate it. It does make us feel good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah, which is ultimately the goal of all of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we are doing a series on covenants, and uh, specifically covenants that God has made with humanity. Um, last week we we talked about. Uh, what is a covenant? And we covered um, the covenant with Adam and Eve. Um, so now we're, we're going to get into the covenant with Noah and what that looks like and how um, basically the covenants build on each other and what what we see God do through them. Um, so yeah, do one of you want to kind of explain the, the covenant with Noah? Well, I think before explaining it, um, one thing I want to talk about a little bit is, I think it's easy when you talk about these covenants to focus on how the people of Israel, or we, keep failing. You know, that, that, that I think that's, we say as Barrett realizes his uh, microphone's not attached, so. Um, but, you know, it feels like, it always feel you know, my question, I guess, when I read through some of this is, did God know we were going to fail? And so are these failures more largely? Um, and I don't know, that, that might be getting into a loaded question. But the interesting thing as we get into the covenant with Noah is um, that he does say in there, you know, pretty much he acknowledges that he knows people are going to continue to sin, but he's going to stay faithful to this, which I think does kind of show that even when we're failing these covenants, God gets that, and he still ultimately has a plan, which was kind of what we got into at the end of last week with the, you know, he will crush his head, I will crush his heel, or I'm not using the right pronouns there, <laughs> which is important these days. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mr. Editor. Uh, 
Yeah, the uh, so what Jared's referencing there, Genesis three fifteen, the first gospel, first instance of the gospel, the good news, that God is going to work something out to uh, crush the head of the serpent, and it's going to be by a, a, a seed of the woman. Okay, um, which is interesting. It's not seed of the man. Uh, it is a seed of the woman. So somebody's going to be born of a woman. Uh, but in a special sense, it appears that's not, you know, see, you know, it seems it seems the fact that it's a seed of the woman and not seed of the woman and the man seems significant. And ultimately, we know yeah, virgin birth, right. Jesus, and, oh. and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Learn something. <laughs> but this uh, this crushing the head of the serpent is not just. Uh, uh, somebody's going to get revenge, but it's going to lead to a restoration of the Garden of Eden, an undoing of all of the effects of the man, the woman's sin. And I'll show you that in uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse uh, 28. So so after Genesis 3, we get into these uh, genealogies. So and so begat so and so, lived so many years, begat so many, begat so and so. So, verse 28, chapter 5. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. So part of the curse in Genesis three was that uh, was that the man would his work would meet with toil, that thorns and thistles would spring up. That this calling to fill the earth and subdue it is now going to be frustrated uh, by this uh, uh, creation not cooperating. And so Lamech here is saying that Noah, his son, would. Uh, would bring relief from toil, okay? So I read that as L- Lamech saying that my son Noah is going to be the is going to be the one who's going to undo this curse, okay? Uh, undo it, take it back to uh, to the Garden of Eden. Right, right. So all of these genealogies that we get so hung up on reading, like oh, all these names that we can't pronounce. Why those are there is I think people are asking the question, who is going to be the seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent? Is it Abel? No, he was killed by his brother Cain. Is it Cain? No, Cain was a murderer. Is it Seth? Is it Seth's son? Is it the son's son? You know, and so they're tracing along, asking this question, who is the one? And so we come to Noah. And at this time, Genesis chapter 6, you have these extended generations, and you have people living a very long time. And we can certainly debate the different options for that. Is it because the environment was different? Is it because um, the genetic code was pure, closer to the original creation of Adam and Eve? Um, I, I don't, I don't know, or, or 
one of my theories is that so Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree of life, which, if nothing else from its name, somehow gives life in a special sense more than you know uh, other food. And so maybe those life-giving properties were passed on for generations until it wore out. I, sure, you know, maybe, I don't know. But whatever, you have people living very long times, multiplying, and yet there's, so there's no, there's no law, there's no, uh, so God hasn't come and said, okay, here's how you have a relationship with me. Some did maintain a relationship with God, like Noah, but many did not. And things quickly spiraled. So chapter 6, uh, uh, verse 1, When man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took, took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Verse 5, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds in the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. All right, so there's, there's a lot there. We could probably spend a couple of episodes on, you know, what does it mean that his days will be 120 years? What, what are the Nephilim? All this stuff. Today we're talking about covenant, so we're going right. to skip that. But the point is, things were bad. I mean, you look at the world today, and you're like, man, look how evil people are, how crazy it is. This ain't got nothing on that because, uh, you know, we, our world today still has the influence of the, of the Holy Spirit through the church. All right. This world isn't as bad as it could be yet. And in, in some ways in America, we see kind of the, the influence of the church diminishing and things seem to be getting crazier. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, you, you think you think Nazi Germany type wickedness, evil, craziness. This, you know, things are so bad that God is grieved. You know, and it is interesting. It doesn't say God is angry; He's heartbroken mm, right. that things are so bad. Yet God has a covenant with man. So, so God is God is going to bring uh, a, a renewal. He's going, but he's not going to completely undo everything. There's going to be a remnant that he's going to work through to restore. Okay. When you say God has a covenant with man, are you, which, 
the 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 Adam and Eve covenant. That's what you're referring to. Yes. Okay. That um that God is not going to because He promised there's going to be a a seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent. Oh, I see. I see. So if if He completely wipes out humanity, leaves no one, well, then what happened to His promise back in Genesis three? So God is is going to be faithful. But he is going to bring about a course correction. And so he's going to take Noah and his family and preserve a remnant, a few people out of the hole um, through this uh, uh, experience of the flood. Now, I'm listening to the Bible Project podcast uh, which I highly recommend you listen to after you listen to ours. <laughs> but uh, they they have an ep- uh, series on the character of God and uh, God's anger. And so they talk about the flood here. When the flood happens, so back in Genesis, you know, you have the days of creation uh, it said that there was one of the days God separated the waters under the sky from the waters above the sky. And so the land appeared on the earth. Here in, in the flood, you see kind of an undoing of that. That the waters above the earth uh, rain down and the waters under the earth come up and swallow up the land. So there's like an undoing of creation. And part of, part of that is the wickedness of humanity was so great. Humanity was destroying the earth. Okay. Um, when, when Cain kills Abel, God talks about the, the blood of your brother cries out to me. You know, the, the blood that has spilled into the earth and is... So you think about like intense levels of bloodshed um, and that and that blood polluting the earth, you know, that humanity is, is, you know, it's not just in the pollution sense, but in the um, so much blood being spilled, so much wickedness being done. and the way the the people in the Bible project talk about it, which I, I think they're they're onto something, when God brings judgment like this, it's almost like he speeds up what is what we're already doing. So humanity is is going so bad, spilling so much blood, polluting the earth with bloodshed and and wickedness and everything else. We're already destroying the land. So God says, all right, let's just fast forward to the end of of the direction you've chosen. And so um, God takes away his protective hand that separated the waters from the water under the earth and or the waters above the earth and waters below the earth. So he takes, he steps away, takes away his protection so that Things go back to the way they were. Do you think that if he hadn't done that, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, would there could there have been someone good come 
come from those people? Or was it so far gone that Noah and his family were, were it? That's a that's a that's a really good question. Um so Noah definitely walked with God. Um was there anyone else at the time? Yeah. At the time there was probably no, but could there or yeah, I don't, I don't know how it's pertinent to the conversation. It's no, just something it, it, that's kind of interesting. It, it is, because, I mean, if out of, I don't know how what the population, but let's let's call it 10 million. If out of 10 million people... Do you think it was that? I, I, I do not know. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we have people living so long. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the possibility, you know, exponential growth. But let's say, let's call it 10 million. Out of 10 million people, there is only one righteous man and maybe his wife. And we, we don't even know that his sons were righteous. Um, we just know that Noah had three sons. So uh, verse 9 of chapter 6, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He goes on to say, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Um, so so we don't we don't know that Noah's sons were righteous we all we know is that noah was so if there was only one righteous man and, and maybe his wife out of 10 million people that, that that's pretty pretty, pretty bad. bad yeah sure well and he said it's everyone else was filled with evil basically yeah filled with violence and yeah if, if how can you have something good come from something that is 100% evil. I, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and it all makes me think, uh, when you're kind of saying that only one, it makes me think of when Abraham is bargaining with God about Sodom and Gomorrah a few yes. generations later. Not 10 million there, and he kept, what if we even find five? Well, they didn't find five. They found Lot, and that didn't keep him from destroying the city. It was, get the heck out, Lot, you know? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great, uh, great example, because, you know, if there if there were fifty righteous people, would you spare the entire Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes. So even fifty righteous, okay, twenty righteous people. If there's ten, if there's ten righteous people, will you spare the entire thing? And yeah, very very similar similar story that there there were not that many righteous people. Mm -hmm. Um. So. So yeah, I mean, if if there had been more, if there had been, let's say, ten Noahs, maybe the flood wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. But um, interesting, yeah. And I think this part of it is like we think, oh, well, it's unfair that God would do this. We live in a very privileged position in a world 
in a country, I should say, that has been influenced by the church, <clears throat> by the Holy Spirit, um, you know, we, you know, we can, we can go out to the grocery store and we're not necessarily looking over. I know there's some people that's like, oh, I got a, I got a concealed carry to the grocery store, but by and large, I'm not afraid that, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store and a mob of, of a whole gang of, of people are going to come in and just ransack and beat and rape and kill just at random. But this is a time of, of, you know, what kind of government is there? There's, you know, this is warlords. This is, you know, you, you think about the movies of, of anarchy, like post-apocalyptic. That's kind of what they were. That, that's, that's what I, uh, that's yeah. what I imagine. And that, that's what we see in the ancient world. People like the Assyrians, the Assyrian empire was like the Nazis of their day you know, flaying people alive and boasting about it and putting it on their murals and they're like, hey, look how great this king was. He flayed this many people alive. Jeez. So, so we think, oh, well, it's unfair that God would do that as though the, pe as though we, the people then were just like us. They're like us without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Without the influence of the scripture, this is like the the worst parts of humanity run amok. Well, and this, oh man, I'm almost hesitant to even ask because I don't I want to be wrong here. But can we be thankful that God did this so that a new generation of oh, I think we absolutely can. It's just it's just kind of hard to. See say you know like i'm thankful that you killed a bunch of people so that a bunch of good people could come but i i, I guess the reality. I, I look at it as i'm thankful that he well that you know we really haven't even gotten to the covenant but that he established a new covenant that he said okay this has gone you know these people have gone wrong you know i want to i mean basically distill it back down to the one righteous man and try to rebuild with him and his family right yeah, and you know, God's patience is so. Be you know, we, we lose our patience at our children because they're they're slow in getting out the door in the morning, right? <laughs> and yet, God, God's been infinitely patient, and He is heartbroken and He is grieved, and He's like, but He doesn't give up on humanity. He's made this promise. He will deal with the sin that is plaguing us. But to get from there to Jesus, a course correction had to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, so the flood comes, and you know you can check out that story, uh, uh, Genesis six, seven, and eight. Uh, but then at the end of chapter 8, we get into uh, the covenant with Noah. Uh, Jared, do you want to read uh, 8, uh, verse 20 and following? Sure. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. 
And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. And it continues in chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, my man by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. All right. So we have the, going back to Genesis chapter 1, there's this this commission fill the earth and subdue it so noah and his family are the new adam and eve they are uh the image bearers of god the vassals the governors to go out and fill the earth but this time god is not going to uh destroy the earth but he so verse six, whoever sheds the blood of man by man, shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. So when Cain killed Abel, the consequence was, okay, you, you're going to have to leave, you know, they're kind of an exile. Um, but it wasn't, but God actually put a, a mark on him, a protection so that nobody would come and and kill him. It's almost like God's going to be, the the consequences for bloodshed are going to be more immediate. You know, instead of letting people run with their violence um, unopposed, now he's added this, and for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning um uh you know you you shed you shed somebody's blood you know you're going there's going to be consequences right. so it's it's like and and I'm wrestling you know this thought just came to me so I'm I'm kind of processing through this here that okay. uh after the flood um God's going to be more hands on with justice to keep it from going as getting as bad as it did. Is there proof that he was hands more hands off previous yeah. previous to flood? Or I I think it's just what scripture says that you know pretty much tells us that it was out of control. You know, I mean. Well, so in in chapter four, when um. Cain kills Abel, uh, verse 13, or verse 12. Sorry, I'm looking for my spot here. Okay, verse 10. 
And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I will be hidden. I shall be a fugitive, wanderer on earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who find him should attack him. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So there are consequences for Cain, but it's exile, not death. You know, he shed blood, but his blood is not going to be shed, which seems to be a change after the flood. Um, then it goes on to talk about Cain's descendants. Uh, you know, he, he knew his wife and they had a child. They built a city. And then, um, then verse 22, Zilha bore Tubal Cain, who's a forger of instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Lamech uh, said to his wives, Ada and Zilha, listen to my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. So it's like Lamech is uh, appropriating Cain, like, hey, I killed a guy. I got away with it. Anybody killed Cain? God took it. So, so if anybody attacks me for killing this guy, then they're going to get it 77-fold. Mm -hmm. So I'm spitballing here, but it seems to be a change in, at post-flood, this, uh, I will demand a, a reckoning, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. That seems to be added post-flood that wasn't there prior to the flood. Um, and we see that law helps keep human uh, sin in check to a point, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it can't change the heart, but it, it can give people pause. And so maybe that was part of the post-flood is that, you know, Ultimately, there's there's going to be some uh, some new rules that are help restrain people, and then we get to the Tower of Babel, and God sees the Tower of Babel and says, "Okay, things are, you know, they're they're doing this, their pride, their arrogance. It's gonna we're gonna need a course correct here before things get so bad." Right. So, so yeah, it, it seems like. God is kind of doing some things to try to not not let it get back to as bad as it was. That doesn't mean there aren't instances where things get bad. But like Assyria, God ultimately punishes Assyria. They get taken out by the Babylonians. Babylonians aren't all that great. They get taken out by the Medes Persians. Okay, so there's in in a sense, the the post Babel languages and cultures. Now you have competing 
nations that can keep each other in check. Sure. You know, when, when one gets too bad and too evil, other, just like Nazi Germany, other nations can ally together and say, hmm, we better take them down a bit. Right. Interesting. That is, I never thought about it like that. That's, that's super interesting. Oh. And it's also, I mean, you know, when you look at Babel, that's God not breaking his covenant, that he would never do that again. But it is a way of, okay, this is getting out of hand. First of all, he acts sooner. And second of all, it's not in as serious of a way, obviously. It doesn't, doesn't really have to involve anybody dying. It's just like, well, let's just confuse you and break you up. Yeah. So, so, so God is, so in this no, Noic, Noac, there's a way to pronounce that. Uh, no <laughs> this way, covenant no. with Noah and the descendants, God is committing. He's, he's not going to destroy, okay, um, with a flood, but he's, he, he's going to preserve humanity but you know, in the sense that he's not going to, to wipe out humanity because he's already committed he is going to save. There's going to be a seed of the woman that crush the head of the serpent. That can't happen if there are no humans. So God has committed himself to humanity that he will bring about this Savior, and he's going to make that happen. If that means he's got to put up with our nonsense to get there, he will, but he will intervene as needed um, so that that can happen so that all of this sin can be dealt with and ultimately we can go back to him. One interesting thing I think to note about this covenant too is that it doesn't require anything from humanity. It is simply a covenant God makes with humanity not requesting something in return. Correct? Well, it, it does request that we don't we stop killing each other. <laughs> but small detail, very minimal. I mean, let's be honest. That's that's setting the bar pretty low. <laughs> right. We still can't eat it, but yeah. And and Noah and his sons. I mean, pretty pretty quickly. You know, Noah's sons show themselves to not be. To not be the the righteous ones that that God's looking for. Right. Uh, we have this instance with one. So Noah gets drunk. Some question like, did he mean to get drunk? Is it post flood environment now? Wine is getting fermented where it wasn't before. I I don't know, but somehow or another, one of Noah's sons sees the nakedness of their father and and mention it to the others. So somehow he, if nothing else, it's, he's being disrespectful to his father. Mm -hmm. um, and there's others would interpret it as far more serious, uh, possibly even a, an assault on his father. So it's like, yeah, this is the best bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, 
how how bad was it? So we we are we are out of time. This is a little bit longer than we usually go, but um, so that's the the covenant with Noah. The next one we're going to find in Genesis twelve, the covenant with uh, Abraham, and uh, God is going to take a particular family out of all the families on earth and begin to move forward His plan to bring about the seed of the woman. And we uh, we really do appreciate you guys hanging out with us, listening to our podcast, and we hope you're enjoying this series on the covenants. And we'll see you next week. Bye.